At this point, we're very blessed. Those of you who have never heard Warren Smith before, I had heard of Warren for many years before I first heard him speak, and I, I was impressed with the work he'd done. But boy, when I really got to hear him speak, you can see that he not only loves the Lord, he loves the lost. He has compassion for those who've erred in ways that he himself has erred in the past. And he brings a convicting message with, with uh, such love and such grace. And uh, I'm, so I'm thrilled that Warren could join us here this year. So please welcome Warren Smith. I've never uh, come on with one of these chords. It, it, it reminds me of um, the old Chevy Chase routine where he was imitating uh, President Ford and he would trip and the whole podium would go forward and he would spill it. I think he actually ended up in the hospital one time. Is it possible to get these lights on? It's a little bit dark here. Is that possible or does that, is that change the milieu of... Um, I wanted to just thank Tom and uh, Berean Call for having this conference and having us come and speak. And I also wanted to address the fact that many of you are aware that we had a house fire, a serious house fire, about six or seven weeks ago in the mountains in California. And uh, I just wanted to let people know that we really appreciate the support. And uh, these lights right up here. That's, that's good. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate the encouragement, the letters, the support that we received. Uh, they've have determined that, uh, that it was some kind of electrical malfunction in a wall in the first floor, kind of mysterious, just uh, nobody really quite understands it. The house has been there for a long time. But we, uh, we relocated uh, to the central coast, and uh, I don't know if you've followed it, but there's fires coming down towards where we are there. We, when we left for the conference, there were ashes all over our car. So I'm a little bit nervous because I've never been introduced by Rob Yardley in a serious fashion that kind of uh, usually... <laughs> I think the last time I was here, he looked at the picture that uh, was an old picture, and he said, I think this must have been one of Warren Smith's bar mitzvah pictures. <laughs> but, you know, we need to have a sense of humor, but we also need to realize that we're living in very serious times. Um, it's a time where we, we need to understand not only who Jesus Christ is, but who he is not. If we don't understand that, then we get caught up with books like Jesus Calling. We get caught up with some of the false teachings that are coming in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to be speaking today uh, about what I think is probably the lie, uh, and it, it's the leaven that could leaven the church right into the new age. And it's happening as we speak, and I think it's really important that we be able to understand that. So it might be just a, a little tedious, what I'm going to go through today, but I, I hope that at the end of it, you'll have a really good understanding of what the deception is. And you can't be more deceived than my wife and I when we were in the New Age. We were following Jesus, we thought, but it was the Jesus of the New Age. It was, it was the Oprah Winfrey Jesus, and I say that because Oprah Winfrey has endorsed a series of books called A Course in Miracles. I've talked about this before, and it's reputedly straight dictated information from Jesus Christ to a woman in New York City who was a psychologist at uh, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. She heard an inner voice saying, this is A Course in Miracles, please take notes. And the Jesus that was reportedly giving her this information taught things like the journey to the cross is the last useless journey. Do not make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. And he even used the expression, be still and know that I am God, before saying the journey to the cross is the last useless journey. 
My concern, having come out of the New Age, is to, is to watch the way that Christian leaders are doing be still videos. They're telling you to say be still and know that I'm God before you go into contemplative prayer. And they're not warning about the dangers that come from 1 Timothy 4.1, seducing spirits with doctrines of devils that Paul warned about. I think the biggest uh, warning that I heard was from Bill Hybels, and he, in, ter in terms of discerning the voice of Jesus, he said, make sure it's not the sushi that you ate last night. Not exactly 1 John 4.1. We have a test of the spirits. I have yet to see one major leader talk about testing the spirits. What it is now, it's pretty much, are you hearing the voice of Jesus, Christy? Are you hearing, you're not? Is everything okay at home? Are you having trouble with your boyfriend? I mean, there's like this pressure coming on people. Jesus' calling just continues to roll, even with all the warnings about how Thomas Nelson and the author have manipulated material to avoid legitimate criticism that some of us have done. And they are now pumping out more versions of it. Uh, we have a Jesus Calling uh, worship thing that's going to go on the radio. Sarah Young has a new book coming out. And Leonard Sweet, who many people are not familiar with, but Christian leaders are familiar with Leonard Sweet because he speaks at the highest levels of different denominations. And he has a new book out that just came out called God Speaks. Or Jesus Speaks, I'm sorry, Jesus Speaks. And he's teaching people how to discern the voice of Jesus Christ. But yet Leonard Sweet calls Tehard de Chardin, Pierre Tehard de Chardin, a Jesuit Catholic priest who was regarded as a heretic by the Catholics back when he was, you know, he's gone now, but it was back in the 70s. His teachings weren't even allowed in the Catholic Church. And he is known as the father of the New Age movement. So here's Leonard Sweet, a Christian leader who's highly regarded by many Christian leaders and, and has a real voice with youth, telling us how to discern the voice of Jesus when he's telling us that the father of the New Age movement is 20th century Christianity's major voice. I could give you, and I won't, I won't go through the list, there are just so many things going on, including, for instance, uh, Greg Laurie endorsing a book by a Tennessee pastor who claims to be hearing from his deceased son from heaven. Uh, when a friend of mine who is, has a discernment ministry, Chris Lawson, Spiritual Research Network, called Greg Laurie's office, the secretary said Greg will not be uh, speaking about that issue. So it's getting to be very elite. Uh, we're supposed to just follow these leaders uh, down this broad way that they're taking us. And what I've noticed is that the leaven that is leavening everything is what you've heard about already from Larry and other speakers, from Ray. God, they're saying that God is in everyone and everything. This is the world teaching that we had when we were in the New Age, but we've watched as it came into the church. The first time I noticed it, was back in about 1993 with a book called Embraced by the Light. Many of you probably will remember that book. Betty Eady, a Mormon New Ager, was suddenly, her book was just flooding the Christian bookstores. And it used to be like, oh, if you look at like Hans Bringer and the Silver Skates, and the, you know, the hole in the dike, it used to be there'd be like one hole in the dike. And, you know, a bunch of us would try to like stick our finger in it and say, watch out for this. But then there'd be two or three holes, and now, now there are just so many that you know, a lot of us that, that are watching things could just spend hours just going through false teacher after false teaching after false teaching. And we're not gonna do that, but I am gonna develop how this teaching came into the world and into the church. Psalm 39.5, and I'll go through at the end of my talk, I'll go through what scripture says about God not being in everyone and everything. But the one that I like the best is uh, Psalm 39.5, verily every man at his best state higher self, God self, true self, Christ self. 
Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Man's told in the Bible not to think higher of himself than he should. Um, how this teaching has made it in so easily is kind of amazing, but then Jesus warned in Revelation, which by the way, Eugene Peterson of the message calls a book of poetry. That's a book of poetry. Jesus in the book of Revelation in two places talked about how the world, the whole world is gonna be deceived. We're watching it happen. I mean, this, this stuff is like almost hidden in plain sight when you have a man like Leonard Sweet quoting the father of the New Age movement as 20th century Christianity's major voice. And, and Greg Laurie you know, recommending a book uh, by a pastor or endorsing a book by a pastor who's hearing from his deceased son. Now, why would, why would there be such an emphasis on hearing the voice of Jesus? Well, I believe it's because new revelation is going to try to supersede the word of God. So like your smartphone is continually updated and changed, if you have a smart theology, you're gonna update what Rob Bell calls you know, this 2,000-year-old book. It says that we're to exhort one another daily. My exhortation is this. Those of us that came out of the New Age saw the deception quickly because we had been involved in it. But when we went into the churches, we were really surprised that people didn't seem to, you know, we do line by line, verse by verse. Well, yeah, but are you explaining how that's practically working out in society? And it, and it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. So when Paul said to the Galatians, you know, you were doing so good, you were running so well, what happened? And then he says in Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. A lot of people don't realize that the Titanic, they originally thought the Titanic had suffered a 300-foot gash uh, in, in its bow. And that's what took it down. But it was really 12 square feet. That was it. It didn't take much to take the biggest, most modern ship down and everybody with it. You hear that joke about rearranging you know, deck chairs on the Titanic. That's really what the church is doing right now. Many in the church are doing right now. The late... Uh, researcher and author Tamara Hartzell had what I thought was just a great metaphor for, for this thing that we're going to be looking at. She has a paper, and I recommend it. It's online at inthenameofpurpose.com, I think, if you Google Tamara Hartzell. She called it the Ark of Oneness. And the reason that she did that is because the world and a deceived church is going to think that they can hop on this Ark of oneness, God being in everyone and everything, therefore we are all one. And that's going to bring us to a safe place, to a place where there will be world peace and we can all have our own religions and we can just kind of like in the name of Christ we can all get along. And it seems like that is moving along very, very quickly. So this idea of oneness is pervading not only the world right now, but the church. One of the things that I think is the most dangerous in the church today is that we're not hearing any warnings. The main warnings are coming against those who are ODMs. Anybody know what an ODM is? Online discernment ministry. They'll talk about sort of derogatory, they'll say, oh, that's one of those ODMs. 1 Corinthians 14.8, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? We're not hearing any warnings about these things. Worse yet, many of these teachers are bringing them into the church right now. 
I'll just give you a quick example, and I, I'm sorry if I walk on anybody's you know, favorite teachers or anything, but I'm just saying these are facts. These aren't my opinions. These are, these are facts. David Jeremiah wrote a really good book called Invasion of Other Gods. It exposed the New Age. He warned about Richard Foster. He warned about Roma Downey's mentor, John Roger, with his uh, mystic uh, traveler consciousness. This, this guy, John Roger, was channeling this mystic river consciousness, or mystic uh, consciousness. And he did a great job of exposing oneness and God in everything, and talking about the dangers of the New Age. He had the book co-written with a woman who I suspect now probably wrote the book, and he maybe didn't read it real carefully, or he, I, I don't know what happened. But now David Jeremiah, in his, some of his latest books, is referring to theologian Leonard Sweet. He brought Roma Downey, who's a, a Catholic New Ager, into his own church and basically endorsed her in front of everybody. Roma Downey went to John Rogers Santa Monica University. Uh, there's a really good booklet on Lighthouse Trails about, uh, about uh, touched by, a, by an angel. You know, this is, this is the kind of deception that's happening. And radio, you know, used to be like in the early 90s, a lot of us could get on tremendous numbers of radio shows to warn about this stuff. Progressively, it's down to just a very few that are having interviews and that are allowing this information to get out. So the system's kind of shutting down. Psalm 144, I just want to read um, a couple of lines from there. It says, man is like to vanity, his days are as a shadow and a pa and pa that passeth away. Send thine hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I thought that was really interesting. The right hand of falsehood, well, the right hand of God is his power, his authority. It's, it, Jesus sits on the, on the right hand of God. What's the right hand of falsehood? Well, it, it looks like it's true, but it's not. It has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. What we're looking at are people who are speaking, and I'm talking directly again about men like Leonard Sweet, Leonard Sweet says in his book, Soul Tsunami, with its front page cover endorsement by Rick Warren, he says to survive in the postmodern culture, one must learn to speak out of both sides of the mouth. Now he's being cute. I'm sure he would say, oh, I was just kidding, I was being cute, being sarcastic. Um, but then right after that, he talks about God being transcendent and imminent. And, and I want you to just hang on to that word imminent because it, it has theological meaning of God being within his creation. God's here with us now. But it's been taken into a metaphysical New Age meaning that's very popular now, which is God is in everyone and everything. And there's no differentiation being made by the people that are saying this. So I think we do have some people in the church that really believe that they are leading the church into the new understandings that will take them into the millennium or into the new age, as they're even calling it. They're, they're defining new age as a time period now rather than a set of teachings. Uh, Leonard Sweet, for instance, says, back when the new age was the new age. Well, that, if you don't understand what's going on, you'd think the new age had gone away. When my book, The Light That Was Dark, came out, published by Moody Press, uh, it was told to me by the publicity department that you kind of missed the boat, Warren. The timing on the New Age, you missed it. You kind of missed your, uh, you missed your, uh, your moment. And I said, no, au contraire.
The new age is growing exponentially as we speak. And so um, this has been sort of a predominant view in the church. I remember I was doing an interview in, uh, in Yuma, Arizona, um, right after 9-11. And uh, I was laying out how uh, the, the New Age was pushing, like Neil Donald Walsh conversations with God. He was saying things in his best-selling number one New York Times, but the era of the single savior is over. And here was the response from Christian leadership. And I remember there was this very huge ex-Muslim guy. He was like 6'8", and maybe about you know, 260 pounds. And he said a similar thing. He said, and here was the response from the church. And then this big guy lay down on the ground and started snoring. There's no response to these false teachings. The false prophets you know, are, are prophesying. You know, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 5, 30, 31, a wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and my people love to have it so. So not only are the false teachings not being labeled and exposed, Ephesians 5.11, we're supposed to expose these things to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now they're being brought in by people that people have learned to trust. But what did the Lord say in John 8.31? He said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. I think what we're watching are a lot of people who have established credibility as Christian leaders, and now they're, they're going off onto one of those Pilgrim Progress side paths, and a lot of people are going with them. They're going down that side road with Sarah Young, and with, uh, by the way, in this latest book by uh, Leonard Sweet, um, Jesus Speaks, they basically say, you too can have a Sarah Young Jesus Calling experience. This, again, is how this information is being brought in. Because if you think you're hearing directly from Jesus, well then... He's going to bring you some new revelation, and you're going to be pretty special. And by the way, you know, two other people in your church got a word of knowledge to confirm what you got. No. Jeremiah 9.3, treacherous men who were not valiant for the truth. Truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is what works in court. Anything other than that, you get, you get slapped with perjury, and you could end up in jail. But somehow or another, it seems to be okay for people to honor the Lord with their mouths and with their lips, but their hearts are far from them. And Jesus warned about blind guides. He warned about ungodly men who crept in unawares. You know, we're not here to try to figure out who knows what they're doing, but there are people that clearly, from the statements that they've made, really believe that they're taking the church to a, to a higher level, to a better place. Um, since, since I'm picking on Leonard Sweet, uh, we just did a booklet on him, so he's fresh in my mind, but I think he's one of the chief false teachers that, that is out there right now. Listen to this, the way that this works. In his book, Aqua Church, 1999, he quotes from a hymn. Christie could have sung it this morning. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown ways before me roll, hiding rock and treacherous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Well, what is Warren Smith talking about? I've heard Leonard Sweet, you know, give allegiance to Jesus Christ. He quotes hymns. Why does he have a problem? Well, here's why I have a problem. One paragraph later, he quotes Tehar de Chardin, father of the New Age movement. And I believe that this statement by Sweet, quoting Chardin, speaks for so many in Christian leadership today. I want you to hear it carefully because it, it is really arrogant. Christ is in the church in the same way as the sun is before our eyes. We see the same sun as our fathers saw, and yet we understand it in a much more magnificent way. That's where we're at, folks. 
It reminds me of those Alaska log rolling contests where the uh, participant has a foot on one log and on the other log, and then they start to separate. But he's got one log on, or one foot on one log and one on the other, but he's going to have to sooner or later take it off of one log and put it on the other. I believe that a lot of the Christian leaders today that are espousing the gospel, the true gospel, are in the process of taking us into a new gospel, into a new spirituality, into a new age spirituality that is a quantum spirituality. Larry DeBrine spoke very eloquently about that, and I think he's going to talk a little bit more about that today. It's coming from two sides. The Catholic, Catholic leaders just came out with a, a book called uh, Call to Be the Children of God, and the subtitle is The Deification of Man, of Human Deification. Human deification, that goes back to the Orthodox Church teachings in the second or third century, and then you've got all this quantum stuff coming, and there's a lot of quantum stuff coming from within the church, and they're going to rely on the fact that, you know, quantum physics is very hard to understand, and they're trying to take it from the physical to the spiritual, and it just doesn't work, and I think that uh, 1 Timothy 6, 19 to 21 hits it on the nose, at least in my King James Bible, where it says, some have erred in the faith, called, and they call science falsely so-called, science is falsely so-called, they err in the faith. It, it nails it right there. Or in Matthew 24, 3 to 5, uh, Jesus, when asked, what will be the sign of your return and the end of the world? He said, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. That's what we learned from the Jesus of A Course in Miracles, that we were Christ. Not the Christ, but we were a part of Christ, therefore we were Christ, we were God. And this has been going on a long time, and for those of you that get confused when you hear Oprah Winfrey saying, I'm a Christian, I've got a booklet showing, you know, she is definitely a new age Christian, which is no such thing, because she recommended The Course in Miracles on her 1992 program with Marianne Williamson. She said, the Course in Miracles, the teachings of A Course in Miracles could change the world. You're not kidding, it could, and, it, and according to the book of Revelation, it will. Now, was Jesus trying to be real negative, and uh, was he trying to scare us all you know, with the book of Revelation? No, he saw what's going on today, and he knows where it's going, and apparently, from what a lot of us are seeing, nothing's being done to stop it. It's like, you know, we kind of shout out our warnings, you know, like, watch out for the, it's like we're, we have this little tiny voice, and then these guys come on with best-selling books that are hyped in Barnes & Noble, two, like Ray Youngen was saying, two shelves of Jesus Calling in Barnes & Noble. Hallmark now has an imprint on the back of the book, somebody told me today, and Sarah Young's got a new book coming out. It just keeps moving on. Folks, it's the merchandising of souls that Jesus warned about in the book of Revelation. They don't care about the truth. You know, I, I'm, I was giving Sarah Young every benefit of the doubt until I saw how she so willingly went along with some just horrible, ungodly changes that they did in Jesus Calling after my book came out. They literally removed material that was unscriptural. They changed things. They, they inserted a testimony above where she had this mystical experience because they knew that she needed a little bit more credibility. And now they've got Leonard Sweet sort of endorsing you know, you too can have a Jesus calling experience. The whole idea is to make you feel like you don't have anything real complete in the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. When we came out of the New Age, the Bible spelled out everything to a T, and it has continued to do so. We don't yearn for more. Sarah Young yearned for more. I read the Bible, but I yearned for more. 
People, you know, it reminds me of that song years ago, just give me some kind of sign girl. You know, people want a sign, and a voice from Jesus is a sign. They hunger and thirst for hearing for Jesus, not for righteousness, which Jesus told us we should hunger and thirst for. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to just trace how this teaching has worked its way into the world and into the church. And just to start off, our foundation is Jesus Christ. Our foundation is not Christ in everyone and everything. It gets a little tricky because a lot of the... uh, Christians, so-called Christian leaders that are bringing this teaching in, they, they quote Ephesians 4, 6, and they also quote uh, Galatians 3, I think 26 to 28, where it says that we're the children of God by our faith in Christ Jesus. Ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, so there is that oneness that we have when we're in Christ and Christ is in us when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for our sins, but he is not in everyone and everything. You can be in a house, but the house isn't in you. So study those two. I I lay it out. I have a whole chapter on this in in Deceived on Purpose, and I elaborated in a wonderful deception. And then the whole thing, you know, pretty much when we were um, led to write a book about the coming false Christ, uh, Joy and I, uh, I left my job uh, as a hospice social worker. We set up shop, if you will, outside the city of New Orleans at the end of August 2001, and I started researching New Age false teachers. And then within just a couple of weeks, 9-11 hit, and all of a sudden these false teachers that I was researching show up on like Oprah Winfrey, Gary Zukov, Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh was around and about. Um, All of a sudden, there they are saying, you know, the world has changed. We need a new way. The old way hasn't worked. What do you think they mean by the old way? And Marianne Williamson went so far as to say that humanity is made up of each one of us, each one of us being a part of God is a cell in the body of humanity. If we reject our role as Christ and as God, as a cell in the body of humanity, we're like terrorists. We're, we're like cancer cells fighting the body that's trying to be healthy. There are teachings that I've laid out in the false Christ coming, does anybody care? The New Age, hearing from, supposedly from Christ, is telling them that they need to drive these adversarial forces from the face of the earth. The persecution that we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the future, if things don't change, and I see no reason that they are, is going to come in really strong through a thing called the selection process. We're going to have to really toughen up, because we're supposed to love our enemies, we're supposed to Rejoice always. We're supposed to give thanks and everything, and yet we're going to be dealing with some pretty hostile stuff. I experienced it when I wrote Deceived on Purpose and, and said there were many things about Rick Warren's purpose-driven life that were problematic. And there was a, an apologist that was pretty much assigned, although they deny it, to take on every one of my objections. And it came to a head right before the Saddleback Civil Forum with John McCain and Barack Obama that was held at Saddleback Church. Just prior to that, this apologist who was in ministry at one time at Saddleback and was a a writer, you know, who came out of Saddleback and was still there, he said, you have to be careful. Warren Smith is a traumatized ex-New Ager with a paranoid mindset, and he linked to books on paranoia. So then, I don't know if any of you remember this, but on the civil forum, 
At the end of the debate or the discussion that Obama and uh, McCain had, Rick Warren stood up and put his face in the camera and he says, you know, folks, we need to be more civil. We need to stop demonizing one another. <laughs> and I turned to my 93-year-old neighbor who was, I was watching this with, and I said, you know, Amos, this, this guy's a hypocrite. You know, he's saying we're not to demonize one another, but his main apologist is calling me a traumatized ex-New Ager. By the way, Amos, I lived, I lived next door to Amos for like, my wife and I did for like, I think six or seven years. And he would tell me about Bible thumpers. The Bible thumpers did this, the Bible thumpers did this. And one day I told my wife, I said, you know, we gotta say something to Amos one of these days because he could go and it's like he's, he, he doesn't realize who we are. So one day Amos, Amos was telling me, he said, Warren, he said, I've got a caregiver. She made me pray before we ate. She's a Bible thumper, Warren. And I said, Amos, you've been living next to two Bible thumpers for seven years. He says, you're a Bible thumper? <laughs> he had me do the eulogy for his, for his wife's funeral. I think that speaks to what Carl was talking about. We just have to be sensitive to each person that we meet. We can't slam them with, you know, Jesus Calling is a terrible book. Why? Well, I just heard it's a terrible book. That's why we write booklets. Be knowledgeable. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan get an advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his devices. So this is the device, God in everyone and everything. And I'm just going to read uh, some of the ways that they're trying to provide this new foundation. And by the way, Psalm 11.2, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This thing's being changed and updated. It's becoming the smart theology for smart Christians Smart people like Leonard Sweet who really know what's going on, who've heard from Jesus. Yes, there was a word of knowledge that corroborated this. And yes, Bethel Church had a, had a major you know, appearance from heaven that confirmed all this. No, this, these are the, the signs and wonders that Jesus said would not come. And he said the only thing that will come is you know, Jonah, three days. You know, my, my death and resurrection. That's what you need to know. The Apostle Paul said... I've determined not to know anything save Jesus Christ and him crucified. But he also said, we're not to be ignorant of enemies' devices. So I'm hoping that when you walk out of here, you'll, you'll understand this one. So when you hear it, um, like even in songs and in worship, you'll hear things that used to be, the song used to be, uh, Jesus is um, my, uh, my everything. And then the, now it's Jesus is everything. It's slipping from something that's biblical into something that is panentheistic, uh, God in everything. So I'm just going to run through some of these. Um, in 1935, there was a book called God Calling. Sarah Young said that it was this book that inspired her to write Jesus Calling, but it's a New Age book that even John Ankerberg and John Weldon labeled as a New Age book in their book, The Encyclopedia of New Age Teachings, published by Harvest House. Isn't it interesting that this reference by Sarah Young in her book that was there for nine years, saying that I was you know, pretty much inspired by God calling, she said it was a treasure to her, disappeared from her. You won't find that in her present printings of her book. Like the Watergate tapes, the 18 and a half minutes that were suddenly disappeared from the Watergate tapes, this stuff's just being torn out of her book. And they just keep moving on, selling more books, worshiping with her Jesus. You have to know who Jesus is, you have to know who he isn't. These two anonymous English women claimed to receive special messages from the living Christ in the 1930s. But in her book, or in their book, what Christ told them was, wherever the soul is, I am. Man has rarely understood this. I am actually at the center of every man's being. This living Christ told them, I see as no man can see the God in you. 
No wonder Sarah Young and Thomas Nelson got rid of that. They must have been horrified when they realized that she was inspired by a New Age book. Now you see references to you know, more cleaned up Christian books that inspired Sarah Young to write that book. <clears throat> Alice Bailey in 1948, uh, matriarchal you know, influence in the New Age, in her book, The Reappearance of the Christ, she said, a fresh orientation of divinity and to the acceptance of the fact of God transcendent and of God imminent within every form of life. These are the foundational truths upon which the world religion of the future will rest. There it is. Norman Vincent Peale in 1952, in his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, in his mega best-selling book, Peale teaches the foundational belief of the new age. On page 40, he says, God is in you to his reader. Many people read that book that weren't believers. 1971, here's Leonard Sweet's uh, mentor, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, in his book, Christianity and Evolution. Teilhard says, I can be saved only by becoming one with the universe. What I am proposing to do is to narrow the gap between pantheism and Christianity by bringing out what one might call the Christian soul of pantheism or the pantheistic aspect of Christianity. I mentioned the Course in Miracles. Uh, the Jesus of A Course in Miracles says the recognition of God is the recognition of yourself. 1978, M. Scott Peck, uh, in The Road Less Traveled, he says, if you want to know the closest place to look for grace, it's within yourself. If you desire wisdom greater than your own, you can find it inside you. To put it plainly, our unconscious is God, God within us. We were part of God all the time. There was a book called The Aquarian Conspiracy. Uh, the most frequently named influence by the New Age conspirators was Teilhard de Chardin. The Aquarian Conspiracy, the title of the book, was taken from a Chardin quote. Marilyn Ferguson, the author, said, God within, and then tongue-in-cheek, the oldest heresy. Ha, ha, ha. Those fundamentalist Christians thought that it was a heresy, but it's really the, the, the bottom line that's going to save the world and bring world peace. She said, in the emergent, catch that, in the emergent spiritual tradition, God is not the personage of our Sunday school mentality. God is experienced as a flow, wholeness, the ground of being. What does uh, Jesus say in Paul Young's shack? He said, God who is the ground of all being dwells in and around and through all things. Benjamin Krim, who is the John the Baptist way shower for the false Christ Maitreya who claims to be in the world right now waiting for humanity to call him forth, he says, but eventually a new world religion will be inaugurated, which will be a fusion and synthesis of the approach of the East and the approach of the West. The Christ will bring together not simply Christianity and Buddhism, but the concept of God transcendent outside of his creation and also the concept of God imminent in all creation, in man and all creation. As Larry DeBrine laid out, as above, so below. God is not only transcendent above, he is imminent below in every person. Some of you will remember the breakthrough New Age TV miniseries by Shirley MacLaine, Out on a Limb, uh, where she's running, uh, standing on the beach anyway, running around saying, I am God, I am God. Um, Oprah Winfrey in 1987, uh, in a program titled The New Age Movement, Winfrey praised New Age minister Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, the New Age book mentions the divinity of man over 100 times in its pages. And on this particular Oprah program about the New Age movement, Winfrey used Butterworth to present her own New Age belief in the divinity of man. She said, 
Quote, one of the most important books I think I've read in my life was a book by Eric Butterworth, Discover the Power Within You. And what Eric Butterworth said in that book is that Jesus didn't come to teach us how divine he was, but he came to teach us there's divinity within us. When she did her show with Eckhart Tolle just several years back, she brought this same book up again. Butterworth is the first story in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which also has a quote by Teilhard de Chardin at the beginning, because the author of that book, uh, Jack Canfield is a New Age teacher. That was carried in Christian bookstores for quite a while. David Spangler, a shaman uh, leader, New Age shaman leader, uh, said there's nothing new about saying I am God. However, in the Judeo-Christian Muslim world, God is usually not popularly understood as a universal presence. Larry's talking about this whole gift of presence, the presence of the presence, the ground of all being. Leonard Sweet, in his book Quantum Spirituality, which I think he hopes will show how prophetic he was to, to be the, one of the first ones to bring in the whole quantum thing, this whole panentheistic Chardin thing. Listen to what he says. Sweet, like other New Age, well I said, like, sweet like other New Age sympathizers in the emergent church, tries to use quantum physics to demonstrate that God is in everything. Here's what he says in his book Quantum Spirituality. Quantum spirituality bonds us to all creation as well as to other members of uh, of the human family. This entails a radical doctrine, you bet it is a radical doctrine, a radical doctrine of embodiment of God in the very substance of creation. Teilhard de Chardin called it spirit matter. Sweet uses that same term. I mentioned Betty uh, Braced by the Light. Sue Monk Kidd, who Ray Youngen referred to yesterday, used to be leading Bible study groups in, in her church and is now a New Age author and leader. Listen to this quote, this is, this is how far it goes. Uh, in her book, um, The Dissident Daughter, A Woman's Journey from Christian Tradition to the Sacred Feminine, she says, restoring the feminine symbol of deity means that divinity will no longer be only heavenly, other, out there, up there, beyond time and space, beyond body and death, it will also be right here, right now, in me, in the earth, in this river, in this rock, in excrement, and roses alike. If the double isn't getting a kick out of this, I don't know who is. The editors of the New Age Journal in 1992 quoted from the book, and, and their book was called As Above, So Below, and they talked about Hermes Trismegistus and how he brought in this God in everything teaching. Eugene Peterson in The Message, 1993, uh, I wrote in, in uh, this booklet, Be Still and Know That You're Not God. Eugene Peterson not only uses the occult phrase, as above, so blue, but he puts these New Age words in the mouth of our Lord and Savior. In the Lord's Prayer, instead of in earth as it is in heaven, in the message it says, as above, so below. So he's not only using an occult phrase, he's having Jesus utter these words. Listen to what Peterson also says. You have one master, one faith, one baptism. This is Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Folks, the only way the devil is going to be able to fool people is to take the word of God away from them. And that's what the message is. That's what this this book uh, that purports to be a Bible called The Voice. They actually talk about you know, the coming new age in that book. You know, Leonard Sweet talks about how he's got a case of versitis. And he says, not bursitis, but versitis. 
He says, you know, too many scriptures, you know, we're just getting carried away with scriptures. He says, I like narratives. I like metaphors. He calls them narrophors. Narrophors. We're getting into this idea that, you know, we've all been just a little bit uptight about scripture. Well, I would say this. When the devil confronted Jesus in the wilderness and tried to get him to do something that was ungodly and unscriptural, did Jesus quote a metaphor or a narrophor? He said, it is written. When you look through your Bible, as it is written, Scripture says, quotes, this whole idea that somehow we're all uptight by using Scripture, hey, the Scripture exposes our enemy. Of course he doesn't want people to be talking about testing the spirits, about seducing spirits, about Jesus warning about, you know, that deception would be the first sign that he mentions about the coming, you know, uh, uh, end of the world and his return. So... And I mentioned chicken soup for the soul. Uh, I think Tom, uh, last night, uh, quoted from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Hey, when you hear somebody saying, hey, we have everything in common, like uh, Kenneth Copeland's doing this, uh, James Robeson's doing this, uh, we have everything in common with the Catholic Church. We need to just kind of get on board. Well, Tom mentioned this. This, this is right in their catechism. In uh, number 460, let us rejoice then and give thanks that we have become not only Christians, but Christ himself. Do you understand and grasp, brethren, God's grace toward us? Marvel and rejoice, we have become Christ. And then, uh, for the Son of God became man so that we might become God. And then another one, the only begotten Son of God, wanting to make us sharers in his divinity, assumed our nature so that he made man might make men gods. That's enough right there to say, I don't have anything to do with the Catholic Church. That's in their catechism. That's their doctrine. You don't have to go through a litany. You don't have to read a book on Catholicism. That's enough right there. It's a false foundation. Neil Donald Walsh in 1996, in his book, Conversations with God, this is a a world New Age teacher, he says that God told him, You are already a God, you simply don't know it. Walsh, interestingly, um, said that, oh, he said that his God told him that this idea of God in everyone and everything uh, includes our divine selves. Oneness is the message. It's the foundational truth of the new spirituality. Rick Warren and Leonard Sweet did a Tides of Change series where they, they, they went on, it was, I think it was even cassette tapes back then, 1995, and they uh, talked about this coming new spirituality. And Leonard Sweet, in a couple of his books, says that we are on the cusp of the greatest spiritual awakening in the history of the world. There's no way. You know, as a matter of fact, the Brian Call recently, in I think April of this year, ran an article that Dave Hunt did back, I think in 1997, And it was called apostasy or revival. And he said that what we're told in the Bible is definite. Apostasy is coming. He says there's no justification for this big revival. What are we hearing from everybody? Beth Moore, and you can find this online, she says that God burned it into her heart that revival's coming. And there will be those that will say that it's not revival. Those are the scoffers that the Bible tells you to warn about. Turn to your person on your left and say the scoffers are coming. I actually did that in one church, and I guess I wasn't very articulate because everybody turned to the left and said, the scoffers are coming. <laughs> couldn't, be, couldn't believe it. Okay, so um, Henry Nouwen, who's quoted by so many, you know, he's another Catholic mystic. It's really funny that 
we're being taken into a new reformation by Rick Warren and Leonard Sweet, but they're all quoting Catholic mystics and taking us into the New Age teachings that even the Catholic Church, you know, didn't allow back in a certain period of time. Henry Nouwen in 1997 in his book, Here and Now, he says, the God who dwells in our inner sanctuary is also the God who dwells in the inner sanctuary of every human being. Uh... Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life. The reason I, when I saw this, I, I just hung my head and I went, Lord, do I have to write a book about Rick Warren? He said, because God is with you all the time. This is on page 88. No place is any closer to God than the place where you are right now. The Bible says he rules everything and is everywhere and is in everything. This was a New Century Version Bible, another new Bible. A lot of these new Bibles are weaving in stuff that just aren't true. As I was sort of researching Rick Warren and the influence of his mentor, Robert Schuller, who he denies having him as a mentor. On November 9th, 2003, using the same overlapping New Age term of imminence, Robert Schuller told his international television audience that God was an imminent God because he was in every single human being. Schuller said, the imminence of God means here, in me, around me, in society, in the world. This God here in the humanities, in the science, in the arts, sociology, and politics, the imminence of God. Yes, God is alive, and he is in every single human being. Sarah Young in Jesus Calling on page 199 says, her Jesus told her in a message. By the way, the messages that Sarah Young said she received from Jesus, have been, it's now been taken away. They're no longer messages she received from Jesus. It's what Sarah Young gleaned with her Bible open and the Holy Spirit leading. So excuse me if I made a mistake, because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. She clearly, and I documented in the three booklets, we have the new expanded version of another Jesus calling with these booklets in the back, make it very clear that she said that she was getting these messages directly from Jesus Christ. And one of the messages actually contradicted that Jesus, in her Jesus calling, said that the last thing that I said before ascending into heaven was, I am with you always. No, that was at the end of the book of Matthew. The last thing he said, you're going to be my witnesses, that was in the book of Acts. That still stands in some of her books. Uh, a young man told me that uh, in the new edition of Jesus Calling that just came out because he works in a Christian bookstore, they've now removed the, the, one, the December 25th message from Jesus where he said that he was born in a filthy stable under appalling conditions. That was a dark night for me. Well, this is coming out pretty close to Christmas, so they've removed that dark night for me and reworded it. When I mentioned that one to my wife, Joy, she said, I know who that was a dark night for, the night that Jesus was born. So there's some mockery going on here there's some, it's like a lot of these men and women that are in Christian leadership, they're taking the church to this higher new level, and they're almost kind of condescendingly laughing at, at our, you know, just not seeing what's going on. I mean, there's, there's mockery in some of this stuff. Rhonda Byrne in The Secret, which was highly publicized by Oprah Winfrey in 2006, uh, on page 164, she says, you are God in a physical body. It's right after a section on quantum physics by a quantum physicist who's a new ager who said that God's in everybody. Men uh, Ray Youngen mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, in that book, which is a bestseller, she traveled, Elizabeth Gilbert traveled uh, with Oprah Winfrey on tour of America uh, just in the last year or so, along with Rob Bell, who, had, who purports to be a Christian uh, pastor. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert said, God dwells within you as yourself exactly the way you are. To know God, you need only to renounce one thing, your sense of division from God. This is a really important point. It gets down to oneness versus separation. 
If you refuse to subscribe to the idea that we're all one because God is in everyone and everything, then you're into separation. I have a whole section in False Christ Coming, Does Anybody Care?, that talks about how the channelers in the New Age talk about how separation is sinfulness, is a crime, needs to go. Uh, it even says that separation is Satan. Well, that's really interesting. Because what did Jesus say? And, and at least I, I think it was in the book of Matthew. He said that the disciple is not above the master. They called me Bills above. They called me Satan. They're going to call you Satan too. They're doing it. And they're doing it in the name of Christ with New Age leaders that are hooking up with people like Leonard Sweet. Leonard Sweet calls some of these New Age leaders in his book, Quantum Spirituality, my role models and my heroes. They're extraordinary. And now if you go to his website, you'll see a, a, a response to recent misunderstandings. And he says, I was much younger then. Now, hopefully I'm wiser than that now. And he never addresses the issue of what he said. And in the booklet that we just did, we said, well, if he's older and wiser, in 1999, uh, he, he brings it right back again. And then even, recent, that, in, even recently in a book called Nudge, he talks about Jesus, the inner Jesus in everybody. So this is, this is getting flipped around and people just don't even see it. It's, like, it's kind of like the expression hidden in plain sight. And then I think some people might be surprised in uh, 2011 in the book, The Seven Wonders That Will Change Your Life, Glenn Beck, Mormon author and radio personality Glenn Beck, said this, if God is everything and everywhere and inside everyone, then I figured he had to be inside me too. I wasn't here by accident. I was here, I was part of God's plan and I had to respect that plan or at least not resent it. I had to respect myself as a part of him. And this is the one that just, I could hardly believe it, but yet you, you do believe it because it's happening everywhere. My father's granola hippie new age spirituality, which I actually agree with. That's in his book. I think to close, I'd be remiss not to give you just a, a list of scriptures. And again, these are in several of, of my books to, to demonstrate that we're not just saying these things. The Bible is very clear. God is not in his creation. In the shack, the word creation is spelled with a capital C at least 20 times. Capital C, creation, those of us that came out of the New Age know that that means that God's in his creation, so it's a capital C. Most importantly, Deuteronomy 5, 7, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That is including especially the God that is in everyone and everything. This is another God. 2 Corinthians 11:4. the apostle Paul warned about uh, he said, you know, if someone's preaching another Jesus, you might just go for it. Well, he could be preaching that to all the churches whose pastors are, don't care that their people are reading Jesus Calling. They get upset, you know, if uh, somebody gives them a booklet from one of us saying, you might want to take a closer look. You shall have no other gods before me. Psalm 920, put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. The one I mentioned, Psalm 39.5, verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Isaiah 42.8, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another. By the way, it says in scripture that the Holy Spirit's in us, Christ is in us, God is in us. The Holy Spirit is sent to us when we become a believer. That is God in us, Christ in us. But we're not God, we're not divine. We're just blessed that the Holy Spirit is in our life and will bring all truth forward. We don't need these books. You know, you wouldn't need the books that those of us that have written a discernment if you really knew your Bible. 
But at the same time, some of these things are so clever and so tricky that you almost, it's kind of the uh, AA, which has you know, a number of its own problems in terms of founding, but people that you know, were former alcoholics know the tricks of alcoholism and how you get around stuff. So it is really important that some of us that came out of this that were so deceived ourselves show you how they're doing this thing. You know, just a quick example is to interrupt this for a second. 1 Corinthians 14, 8, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? Lest Satan get an advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices, 2 Corinthians 2, 11. But yet, I know football season just started. Do you think that football coaches, you know, they've got an opponent coming and they go, oh, you know, well, here's what Rick Warren said. It helps to know that Satan's entirely predictable. Or Robert Schuller said, concentrate on the positive. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll never have to worry about the devil. You think these football coaches go, eh, you know, uh, Green Bay Packers, they, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing as well as he used to. You know, I'm not worried about it. No, they study game films. They stay up, the coaches stay up till midnight looking at all the trick plays that could come at them. We're getting none of that from Christian leadership. One former emergent pastor who's now seeing the light, I was talking to him one day. I said, Chris, I said, do you ever see any warnings about any of this stuff from any of these leaders? He went, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. The only thing they really warn about are people like you. <laughs> A false teacher considers persecution to be someone who's exposing their false teachings. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Jeremiah 16, 20. Ezekiel 28, 2. Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man, and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Hosea 11:9. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God, and not man. Matthew 23, 12. And this, I mean, this is, these things, these all tie together. All these scriptures speak to what's going on today. I mean, it's just, it was mind-blowing to see how this book, the Bible, could just describe things so completely, and yet we're being told, you know, we need extra revelation, we need to hear. I mean, Jesus has something he wants to tell us today. No, he told us about things today when he said it back then. He gave us everything we need to know. Need to know. The Bible is sufficient. And whosoever shall exalt himself, God is in everyone, shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Matthew 23, 12. Think about this one. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Well, if God was in man, if he was in every man, why would he say that? Romans 1, 21, 23 to 25, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, who changed the truth of God into a lie, God in everyone and everything, oneness, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. 1 Corinthians 3, 20 to 21, And again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men. 1 Corinthians 14, 6, we're almost done, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you puffed up for one against another. And then 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. I'll just close with this story. 
I was at a church in Northern California, and a woman came up to me, and she said, Warren, I used to follow uh, the same guru that Elizabeth Gilbert, Eat, Pray, Love, followed. Um, and that was the uh, guru, um, help me, Ray, what was the guru? Um, guru Mai, I think. She said, I was in the ashram in Oakland, and this woman who's very beatific, I think she was the daughter of Swami Baba Muktananda who had the ashram there in Oakland. She said, I was living there and my one-year-old son had never spoken one word in his life. And I wanted to do something like they do in the Christian church. I wanted to sort of have him christened. I wanted to have her anointed by the guru. So I knelt down and I held my son up, the son who never spoke a word in his life. And the guru started to bring her hand down to anoint him and he raised his hand and he said, no. And the guru, her, she said the guru's face changed and became demonic. It was just like, it was just, she was horrified. And she said she got out of the ashram as quickly as she could. And I was just thinking, you know, like you'll only enter heaven as you're like a little child. And here's this little kid who never spoke a word in his life and he had enough sense to say no to this guru. And yet, we have Christian leaders who are buying right into this stuff, and so many of us in the church are going along with these things. I want to encourage you, if you have friends that are reading Jesus Calling or, or subscribing to you know, a lot of these teachers, dig a little bit deeper. You don't have to read all their books. You don't have to know everything that they're saying. But don't let your friends go down this broad way. Jesus said, the way is narrow that leads to eternal life. And what? Few there be that find it. The way is broad that leads to destruction. Many go in thereat. Oneness is a broad way. Being separate. Those that are into separation are like cancer cells. Watch that word in the future. Separation. We're to separate ourselves. They don't like that. But be encouraged. You know, exhort one another daily that God has given us everything that we need in his scriptures to see what's going on. We don't need these extra revelations, these new revelations. I have all sorts of statements that I'm out of time, but I have all sorts of statements that Sarah Young's Jesus talked to her about. I'm going to give you things that nobody else knows. I mean, there's total flattery in that book. You're going to learn things that, you know, I just didn't tell people back in the first century. It's like there's a new spirituality that Leonard Sweet, who, by the way, has done small group workshops with Rick Warren. Again, he's all over the church. Please, you know, read the booklet. that All of the Lighthouse Trails booklets are online free. You can read them. You can download them. But get some of these booklets and give them to people. I did one, 10 Scriptural Reasons that Jesus Calling is a Dangerous Book. You don't have to know a lot, but you've got to say more than, that's a bad book. I heard a speaker say that. That's not going to work. So praise God that he's given us everything that we need to know. And thank you so much for, uh, for having us come. And uh, God bless all of you guys.